0: Chapter 12, Part 1 of Commentary in the Gospel of John, Book 11, by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by Reverend Thomas Randall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 12. That the Son is by nature one with God his Father, though he says that he received, as by way of grace, his being one with the Father. Twenty-two, twenty-three and the glory which thou hast given me i have given unto them that they may be one even as we are one i in them and thou in me that they may be perfected into one that the world may know that thou didst send me and lovest them even as thou lovest me we say and therein we are justified that the only begotten hath an essential and natural unity with his father insomuch as he was both in the true sense begotten and from him proceeds and is in him and though he seem in his own person to have a separate and distinct being yet that he is accounted by reason of his innate identity of substance as one with the father But since, in his incarnation, on our behalf, in order to save our souls, he abdicated, as it were, that place which was his at the beginning, I mean his equality with God the Father, and appears to have been in some sort so far removed therefrom as to have stepped outside his invisible glory, for this is what is meant by the expression, he made himself of no reputation, He that of old and from the very beginning was enthroned with the Father, receives this as a gift when in the flesh, his earthy and mortal frame and human form, which was actually part of his nature, of necessity requiring as a gift that which was his by nature. For he was and is in the form of the Father and in equality with him though therefore the flesh from a woman's womb that temple wherewith the virgin endowed him was not in any wise consubstantial with god the father nor of like nature with him yet when once received into the body of the word henceforth it was accounted as one with him for christ is one and the son is one even when he became man in this aspect of his person he is conceived of as taken into union with the father being admitted thereto even in the flesh which originally enjoys not union with god and to speak more concisely and clearly the only begotten says that that which was given unto him was given to his flesh given to of course wholly by the father through himself in the spirit for in no other way than this can union with god be effected even in the case of christ himself so far as he manifested himself as and indeed became man the flesh that is was sanctified by union with the spirit the twain coming together in an ineffable way and so unconfusedly attains to god the word and through him to the father in habit of mind that is, and not in any physical sense. This favor and glory, then, he says, given unto me, O Father, by thee, that is, the glory of being one with thee, I have given unto them, that they may be one, even as we are one. For we are made one with each other after the manner already indicated, and we are also made one with God, and in what sense we are made one with him the lord very clearly explained and to make the benefit of his teaching plain added the words i in them and thou in me that they may be perfected into one for the son dwells in us in a corporeal sense as man commingled and united with us by the mystery of the eucharist AND ALSO IN A SPIRITUAL SENSE AS GOD, BY THE EFFECTUAL WORKING AND GRACE OF HIS OWN SPIRIT, BUILDING UP OUR SPIRIT INTO NEWNESS OF LIFE, AND MAKING US PARTAKERS OF HIS DIVINE NATURE. CHRIST, THEN, IS SEEN TO BE THE BOND OF UNION BETWEEN US AND GOD THE FATHER, AS MAN MAKING US, AS IT WERE, HIS BRANCHES, AND AS GOD BY NATURE INHERENT IN HIS OWN FATHER. For no otherwise could that nature which is subject to corruption be uplifted into incorruption, but by the coming down to it of that nature which is high above all corruption and variableness, lightening the burthen of ever-sinking humanity, so that it can attain its own good, and by drawing it into fellowship and intercourse with itself, well-nigh extricating it from the limitations which suit the creature, and fashioning into conformity with itself that which is of itself contrary to it we have therefore been made perfect in unity with god the father through the mediation of christ for by receiving in ourselves both in corporeal and spiritual sense as i said just now him that is the son by nature and who has essential union with the father we have been glorified and become partakers in the nature of the Most High. When Christ desires us to be admitted to union with God the Father, He at the same time calls down upon our nature this blessing from the Father, and also declares that the power which the grace confers will be a convincing refutation of those who think that He is not from God. For what ground will there be any longer for this false accusation, if of himself he exalts to union with the Father those who have been brought near to him through faith and sincere love? When, then, O Father, they gain union with thee, through me, then the world will know that thou didst send me. That is, that I came to succour the earth by thy loving kindness and to work out the salvation of those who err therein. Besides, none the less, he says, will they know, who have partaken of a grace so acceptable, that thou lovest them even as thou lovest me. For surely he that received into union with himself him that is man, even as we are, that is, Christ, and deemed him worthy of so great love, we are arguing here concerning Christ as man, and gave to us the chance of gaining this blessing, surely he would speak of his love as dealt out to us in equal measure. And let not any attentive hearer be perplexed hereby, for it is clear beyond dispute that the servant can never vie with his master, and that the father will not give as fully measure of his love to his creatures as to his own son but we must consider that we are here looking upon him that is beloved from everlasting, as commencing to be loved when he became man. What, therefore, he then, as it were, took and received, we shall find that he took not for himself, but for us. For just as, when he lived again after subduing the power of death, he accomplished not his resurrection for himself, for he is the Word and God, but gave us this blessing through himself and in himself for man's nature was in christ in its entirety fast bound by the chains of death in like manner we must suppose that he received the father's love not for himself because he was continually beloved of him from the beginning but rather he accepts it at his hands upon his incarnation that he may call down upon us the Father's love. Just as then we shall be, nay, we are even now, as in Christ first the first fruits of our race, made conformable to his resurrection and his glory, even so are we, as it were, like him, beloved, but yielding the supremacy in all things to the only begotten, and justly marvelling at the incomparable mercy of God shown towards us, who showers, as it were, upon us the things that are his, and shares with his creatures what appertains to himself alone. 24. Father, those whom thou hast given me, I will that where I am they also may be with me that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. After having prayed for his disciples, or rather all those who come to him through faith, and having required of the Father that they may have union with him, and love, and sanctification, he proceeds at once to add these words, showing that to live with him, and to be deemed worthy to see his glory, belongeth only to those who have been already united to the Father through him, and have obtained his love, which he must be conceived to enjoy from the Father. For we are loved as sons, according as we are like him who is actually by nature his son. For though it be not dealt out to us in equal measure, yet... AS IT IS A COMPLETE SEMBLANCE OF THE LOVE THE FATHER HATH FOR THE SON, AND IS COINCIDENT THEREWITH, IT IMAGES FORTH THE GLORY OF THE SON. I WILL, THEREFORE, HE SAYS, O FATHER, THAT THOSE WHO ARE MINE, THROUGH THEIR COMING TO ME THROUGH FAITH, AND THE LIGHT THAT proceedeth FROM THEE, MAY BE WITH ME AND SEE MY GLORY. And what language can reveal the greatness of the blessing which is implied in being with Christ himself? For we shall enjoy ineffable fruition of soul, and eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor mind conceived, what God hath prepared for those that love him. For what thing that maketh for the fulness of joy can be lacking to those who have allotted to them the portion of being with Christ himself, the Lord of all. Yea, the wise and holy Paul seems to have thought it a thing surpassing conception, for he says, To depart and be with Christ is far better. And surely he that preferred this great and acceptable reward to this world's life will bear us true testimony that great is the blessing of converse with him which he confers on his own he that giveth all things to all men plenteously and the word spoken through him to us will also help to support our contention for having in himself christ speaking and revealing the powers of the age to come he spoke also after this manner for the dead shall rise he says and also we that are alive that are left shall together with them be caught up in the clouds to meet the lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Further, our Lord himself plainly promises us this blessing, saying, I go and will prepare a place for you. I will come again, and will receive you with myself, that where I am, there ye may be also with me. For either, without thinking deeply on the subject, we shall readily conclude that our abiding home in heaven is meant or, following another line of thought, we shall suppose that the same place will be allotted to us as to Christ, that is, similar and analogous honors, according to our likeness to himself. For we shall be conformed to his glory, and shall reign with him according to holy writ. And he promises that, like as he is wont, we shall also be enthroned in the kingdom of the heavens. Leaving then for the present, as beyond dispute, any further proof that we shall be with Christ and share his glory, and be partakers in his kingdom, we proceed to the other point. I mean the words, That they may behold my glory. Not, therefore, to the profane and sinners, nor to those who dishonour the law of God, will it be given to gaze on the vision of Christ's glory, but only to the holy and righteous. This also we may know by the prophet's words. Let the impious man be taken away, that he see not the glory of the Lord. And in the gospel message of our Saviour Christ, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And who can the pure in heart be but they who, by union with God, through the Son, in the Spirit, have rid themselves of fleshly lusts, and put far away from them the pleasure of the world, and have, as it were, denied their own lives, and resigned them wholly to the will of the Spirit, and who are in all purity and sincerity fellow-citizens with Christ, such as was Paul, who out of his own exceeding purity feared not to say, I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live, and yet no longer I, but Christ liveth in me i hear also the voice of another of the saints in his song make me a pure heart o god and renew a right spirit within me cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy holy spirit from me give me again the comfort of thy salvation and establish me with thy free spirit He calleth the Spirit the comfort of salvation, as giving men joy unceasing and perpetual, and affording them guidance through all the changes and chances of the world. For the Spirit belongeth to the only true Saviour, that is, Christ. He giveth him many names, and adds a pure heart to his prayer, and straightway invokes the Spirit, since they who were not yet united unto god and made partakers of christ's blessing through the spirit have not a perfect heart but rather one that is forward and distraught to sum it up therefore in brief christ desired that to his followers might be granted in special the blessing of being with him and beholding his glory for he says that he was loved even before the foundation of the world hereby clearly showing how ancient was the great mystery of the redemption he wrought for us and that the way of our salvation effected through the mediation of christ was foreknown by god the father this knowledge was not indeed vouchsafed to men upon earth at the beginning but the law intervened which was our schoolmaster to teach us the divine life creating in us a dim knowledge through types god the father keeping for the fitting time the blessing through the saviour and this knowledge seems to us of much avail to show how groundless was the scorn and impious murmuring of the children of israel who chose continually to advocate the law even when at the advent of the truth they ought henceforth to have made of no account the types and it seems very useful also to controvert the others who think that the counsel of the father Which contrived the great mystery of our redemption was an afterthought. Therefore, also Paul said concerning Christ, destroying the contention of those who hold this view, that he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the last times. We must observe also that he says that the Father had given unto him the disciples themselves, as well as divine glory and universal dominion. Not in his character as by nature God, the Lord of all, who therefore has kingly dignity inherent in himself, but rather in so far as he manifested himself as man, who has all things as gifts from God, and not as his birthright. For the created world receives everything from God, and nothing at all that is in it is its own, though it appear to possess things that are good. Twenty-five, O Righteous Father, the world knew thee not, but I knew thee, and these knew that thou didst send me. He here calls the Father righteous, where he might have used another title, for he is holy, pure, undefiled, maker and creator of the world, and whatever else befits the ruler of the universe it is very desirable then to inquire why christ entitled him righteous when he might have given him another name it will then be productive to us of much profit if we do not allow any passages of holy writ to escape us when then christ desired us to be sanctified by the favour of his father fulfilling himself the character of advocate and mediator HE MADE HIS INTERCESSION FOR US IN THE WORDS, HOLY FATHER, KEEP THEM IN THY TRUTH, MEANING BY TRUTH NOTHING BUT HIS OWN SPIRIT, BY WHOM HE SECURETH OUR SOULS, SEALING THEM IN HIS LIKENESS, AND EDIFYING THEM, AS IT WERE, BY HIS INEFFABLE POWER, SO THAT COURAGE IS UNDAUNTED, AND EXHORTING US TO MANIFEST UNRESTRAINED ZEAL IN ABUNDANT GOOD WORKS, and to let nothing stand in our way or avail to call us back so that we may hasten eagerly on our course to do god's pleasure and may set at naught the manifold inventions of the devil and the pleasures of the world for they who have once been sealed by the holy spirit and who receive into their minds the earnest of his grace have their hearts fortified as they are girded with power from on high Christ, therefore, besought the Father that he would sanctify us, in order that we might enjoy blessings so acceptable. Here, too, I think, he seems to have some such idea in his mind. For besides what he said about our need of sanctification from the Father, he also added these words concerning us. And the glory which thou hast given me I have given unto them, that they may be one even as we are one for thou lovest them even as thou lovest me and again father those whom thou hast given me i will that where i am they also may be with me after thus speaking he straightway calls the father righteous and with reason for by his approval and consent the son became man that he might endow the nature of man which was created for good works with sanctification through the spirit and union with god and with an abiding place in the mansions above there to live and reign with him for god did not create man at the beginning to work wickedness but his nature was perverted into vice by the impious wiles of the devil and was led astray from its guidance of old by the hand of god and as it were upheaved from its foundation truly it well beseemed the righteous father to lift up again that human nature which had been cast down through the devil's malice and to establish in its former position that which had been unduly debased and to rid it of the foulness of sin and as it were transform it into its original image as it had been at first created and also to subject the adversary that assaulted man and impiously dared to compass his ruin that is satan to the vengeance that was meet though methinks any kind of chastisement were slight for him who exhibited such madness against god therefore he saith o righteous father for thou art righteous and good and true is thy judgment For thou hast sent down me, who am thine own true Son, to the world to succour and renew it. But alas for the blindness of the world, he says, for though thou wert such as I have said, the world knew thee not. For surely they should straightway have seen the loving-kindness of thy judgment and thy merciful will, and should have hastened to welcome their Saviour, and have brought him willing service. Christ, then, held this discourse with the Father, offering up, as it were, thanks on our behalf and for our sake, inasmuch as he, in his righteousness, had vouchsafed salvation to those who had suffered through the devil's malice, and had doomed the devil to perdition. And the world, he says, that is, they who oppose the divine message of the gospel through their worldly-mindedness, have not learnt that the father is righteous for the god of this world hath blinded the minds of the unbelieving as paul says that the light of the gospel of the glory of christ should not dawn upon them but he bore witness to his own disciples that they knew and understood him and hereby he endows them once more with a great and enviable dignity for he shows them to be far above all the humiliation and contumely of the world through their knowledge of the father and clearly also through their confession that christ was the son when therefore at the same time as the charge was brought against the world that it knew not the father that is the true and living god he bore witness to the disciples that they knew him is it not henceforth quite beyond dispute that they were not of the world now that they had become christ who is above the world according to the saying of paul through which the world hath been crucified unto me and i unto the world who saith again concerning us and they that are of christ jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and the lust thereof when we say that the disciples were out of the world We do not mean that they were absent so far as their bodies and position in space were concerned for they appear as lights in the world holding forth the word of life we rather mean that while they still walked upon earth they were citizens of heaven and that bidding farewell to the lust of the flesh and lifting their minds high above all worldly desire they had attained to an exceeding height of virtue according to the saying in the Psalms. The mighty men of God have been exalted high above the earth. For they who have reached true manliness through God have put aside the groveling thoughts of earth and turned their minds heavenward. For this, I think, is the meaning of the word exalted. The world, then, he says, O Father, knew not thee in thy righteousness. But I know thee, for i am thy counsel and wisdom i regarded not the glory and divine dignity that is mine by nature but humbled myself and descended to human poverty that i might save with thine approval the race that had fallen away from kinship with us though the world knew not this yet were the disciples enriched with this knowledge and verily comprehended that thou hast sent me That is that I have come to bring thy purpose to a glorious issue, by rescuing the world which was in peril. 26. And I made known unto them thy name, and will make it known, that the love wherewith thou lovest me may be in them, and I in them. He says that knowledge of God the Father was at once in him and in the disciples who attended him and lest any man should be beguiled into gross extravagances of opinion, and think that his disciples had this knowledge in an equal degree with himself, Christ at once distinguishes between them and himself, and makes the difference very clear, showing that he revealed God unto them, while they, through him, received knowledge. For our Lord Jesus Christ, as he is the word, and counsel, AND WISDOM OF THE FATHER INTUITIVELY KNOWS WHAT IS IN HIM, AND CONCERNS HIMSELF ABOUT HIS FATHER'S MOST SECRET THOUGHTS, JUST AS, INDEED, THE MIND OF A MAN KNOWS WHAT IS IN HIM, AND AS NOTHING THAT IS IN OUR HEARTS IS HIDDEN FROM OUR HUMAN UNDERSTANDING. THE INSPIRED DISCIPLES, ON THE OTHER HAND, DO NOT ENJOY, AS THE FRUIT OF THEIR OWN UNDERSTANDING, THE ABILITY TO FORM ANY CONCEPTION ABOUT GOD but through the light of the spirit lay hold of the true meaning of the mysteries of the son and so are enabled to know the father very appropriately then and to our prophet christ added the words and i made known unto them thy name and will make it known observe too how both persons i mean the father and the son effectually work together to make the godhead comprehensible to men for the father makes us wise by revealing to us his own son and none the less also the son makes us wise by revealing to us the father to the blessed peter moreover he spake these words about the parts of caesarea called philippi blessed art thou simon bar jonah for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee but my Father which is in heaven. For the disciple confessed and maintained his belief that he was Christ, the Son of the living God. And now he says concerning himself, I made known unto them thy name, and will make it known. For the only begotten ceases not to reveal unto us the meaning of the mystery concerning himself as he revealed it to his first followers at the beginning and this he doeth continually implanting in each of us the light of the spirit and guiding those that love him to the knowledge of those things which pass their understanding and conception what his purpose is and what kind of benefit he will confer on us by his declaration that he had already revealed the father unto the disciples and would also make him known to their successors he pointed out to us when he said that the love wherewith thou lovest me may be in them and i in them for they who have been able by purity of thought to know god the father and have been thoroughly instructed in the knowledge of the mystery that is in christ will wholly gain and indisputably enjoy the perfect love of the Father like unto the Son. For the Father loves his Son with a perfect love, and Christ also himself abideth in him through the Holy Spirit, uniting through himself into spiritual fellowship with God the Father, him that knows him, and as in travail as it were with the unperverted word of divine truth he makes known to us the name of the father by declaring to us himself who is his son for hand in hand with the knowledge of him that was begotten will be closely linked the knowledge of him that begat him just as the converse is also true and if the saying is true and to be accepted without question that the conception of the son is necessarily implied in that of the father and so also the conception of the father in that of the son and the knowledge of one is contained in the knowledge of the other how can the son any more be a creature as some impious men say for if a man speak of the son he thereby instills the idea of a father in his hearers while if he were to call him a creature he leads them on to the conception of a maker but as the son calls god father not maker or creator he is clearly conscious that he is himself in fact a son therefore the son is deemed and is a son and not a creature as they say which would imply that he that made him was his creator and not his father and the force of the argument will be no whit damaged by the fact that the title of child or son is accounted human. For the attributes which peculiarly and especially belong to him, as being by nature the Son of God his Father, these were brought down even to us. Holy Writ often so applying them on occasion, and at times investing those who are sons by adoption with the attributes of a son by nature. And it is no marvel if we also have obtained the title of son, and that God has thus chosen to honor us in his loving kindness, as he has even called those gods who are avowedly sprung from the earth. End of chapter 12, part 1